Hey, thanks for tuning to the Salesforce Web Podcast, Episode 15: The Separational Concerns. Separational concerns is a design principle proposed by Martin Fowler and then ported and subsequently shared to the Salesforce community by FinancialForce.com. In this episode, Andy Fawcett joins me to talk about what is this principle, what problems it aims to solve, the FFLib open source project, as well as his popular book Force.com Enterprise Architect. Hopefully, what he shares in this episode is useful for you, as it was definitely for me. Salesforce Way is the podcast meant for Salesforce developers. In each episode, I invite a guest to share the insight of a topic. Our goal is to at least slightly help you not only in the Salesforce world, but in general, become a better software engineer. If you like our content, consider to follow us by the RSS feed or in the iTunes, so you won't miss any updates. In addition to the podcast, there is a newsletter where we share more useful information, such as other chats with the guests, good developer videos, learning courses, mistakes to avoid, and so on and so on. If you are in the journey to become a good software engineer, just like me, I'm confident that you will find it home after subscribing to the newsletter. So. The RSS feed, the iTunes link, my Twitter, the newsletter can be all found at our website salesforceway.com. Now let's start the show, shall we? Hello, everybody. This is Shi Xiao. This is yet another episode of Salesforce Way Podcast, where we help you to become a better software engineer. Today, I have a guest sitting with me. His name is Andy Fawcett. Hello, Andy. Would you、Hi. like to introduce yourself? Hi. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Very pleased to be here and、uh, talk to you guys about separation of concerns. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Andy,、um, your name is very famous in the Salesforce world. So、uh, you have the one of the best book called、uh, Force.com Enterprise Architect. It's very big and thick, and、uh, in my opinion, one of the best book. Thank、uh, you. Quality wise, and you have done a lot of open source work as well, right? You have open sourced the FFLib, and you have done like Force DI open source repositories as well, among many other. Repositories. Yes, I very much enjoy、um, working on open source and collaborating with people in the community to build useful tools and libraries. So it's been a, a strong passion of mine since joining the the ecosystem. Really, really enjoy、mm-hmm. it. Keeps me excellent,、uh, excellent. keeps me coding,、uh, which is not something my、uh, day job always affords me the luxury of doing. But、um, I think it's a it's an important aspect.、Uh, 
of what I do and what I enjoy. I got it. So today I invited you to talk about the separation of concern. This concept. The main reason for me is that uh, uh, you know I have been working in the Salesforce ecosystem for more than one year. I've done some customer project or open source project. I've seen projects with different sizes, but frankly speaking, none of those projects are using SLC. I call it SLC for short. That's operational <laughs> concerns. Let alone FFLIP. So that was the interesting point for me. But you know, most of the podcast show guests like、uh, Dan Appleman. Uh, Robert Sossam and、uh, John Daniel—they all highly recommend people to learn this、uh, concept and read your book.、Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a puzzle in my mind. So okay, comparing to the reality and those smart technical people telling me, so why, why, what do I do now? So I wanted you to to be here to educate me. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a really popular topic.、Um, One that、um, I was asked、um, several times when、uh, doing the sessions at back, way back in 2013 at Dreamforce about what's what's the right fit for separation of concerns. When do I use it? When do I don't? Use, when don't I use it? And、um, really, it, it comes down to a lot of、um, aspects of what you, what it is you're developing, what the lifetime of that is, and how far you think that's going to extend into the future. Because separation of concerns is all about the health. Of your code to withstand change and evolve over time, and sometimes it can be quite a heavy pattern to use. And there's lighter versions of that. We can talk a bit about sort of different version, ways of doing it without FFLib. But、uh, you know, if you're doing something that's kind of a, a one-off,、um, and you think it's pretty, pretty much covered the requirement for a good amount of time, it's not going to change. Then. You know, maybe writing that code in a short way, just in the controller, may be a good thing, and you just need to get on and, and move on to the next task. But often、uh, that isn't the case increasingly with software development. So my personal opinion is to try and at least think in a very light, at least in a light way about positioning the code, such that you, whenever you might come back to or whomever might come back to it in the future, it's well, it's well factored. Um, there is some guidelines that、um, I did. Sh- I did share、um, after getting those questions. Ultimately, and I, these are captured in a, in a trailhead that ultimately I worked on a few years ago、um, with somebody in Salesforce to publish. And、um, mm-hmm. this talks about sort of the、um, whether SOC is appropriate, the number of developers, and it talks about your requirement scope and the number of client types as well. And we talk about. Separation of concerns being really appropriate if you're developing for multiple types of interfaces. In this case, that could, in these days, that could be IoT devices, it could be UIs, could be APIs. There's many which ways in which your code could get invoked. So, if those sort of、um, interactions are, are very likely, then then that starts to rise the、uh, raise the the bar in terms of the appropriateness for separation of concerns.、Mm. So. That this chart、um, hopefully gives them, your listeners a little bit of insight as to in more detail as to as to what when to use it. But you can see that the bar rises quite quickly in by by、mm. today's standards.、Um, you know, a lot of the time you are in this second tier already, so you're definitely in the worth considering category. 
Okay. So if you send me the chart later, I'm going to put it in our show notes so that mm. our listeners could check that chart as well. Yeah, no worries. That's okay. actually embedded okay. inside of okay. the Trailhead article. There. So we do have a couple of Trailhead um, uh, uh, trails that um, I was uh, honored to, to be asked to contribute a few years ago uh, by Salesforce. Mm-hmm. So those, um, those are actually... Uh, a rework of what was on the Salesforce blog for, from way back in 2014, 15, I think, before, way before Trailhead. <laughs> so, um, okay. yeah, uh, check those out. Um, that's, yeah, that's a good resource. we will put it in the show notes. But uh, let's step back a little bit just to let every of our listeners to be on the same page. So could you introduce us what is separation of concerns as the beginning point? Well, separation of concerns is essentially thinking about the layers of your application. I brought up one of my older blogs here. It's got a more graphical representation of the layers. And when we think about com- the composition of anything complicated, whether it's a whether it's a vehicle or a television or anything that has many components within it, then you tend to see that well-designed things in our world are kind of grouped into areas of concern, you know, the, in terms of um, how software is engineered. We think about layers being the presentation layer, the, the business layer, and how data is accessed. And the reason why this just makes sense in our minds is is because we can essentially deal with those concerns in terms of what is it specifically the presentation layer has to do, and more importantly, what it doesn't have to do. And that, that helps us be really focused about what we're doing, particularly if you're working with multiple people and teams with different skills. And these days, um, there's a lot going on at the presentation layer. And, you know, it's great to be a full stack developer, but if you're not, then why don't you have something that's focused on the backend technologies and they agree where, where their concerns are and the backend developer might agree, well, I'm interested in just providing an API to the presentation layer. I don't really care how they present that or interact with the user. So you agree essentially a contract between each of these layers and that can be useful in terms of interaction as you're building software out between individuals with different skills and it's also useful, more importantly, uh, I guess in terms of the world we live in where different techniques and libraries and um, particularly the UI shifts a lot over the time I've been in the business uh, quite a few number of years now and uh, you know I've seen the passing of flex as a technology rich client libraries different things and at the end of the day um, everything we create has to endure um, as much as possible these days and having a strong separation concerns of your business logic I'm, I'm often heard referring to it as the beating heart of your application is really really important because that's where you're putting most of your investment. Um, you know, it's, it's reasonable to accept that trends in UI and how people interact with UIs or even, you know, you think about just interaction in general. And IoT changes so much that, that that's an acceptable mm. loss potentially if you just need to switch. But it's not an acceptable loss if you need to rework a lot of your business logic because that mm. potentially impacts a lot of... Uh, other interfaces that maybe aren't changing as well. So I think it's important to split those out. The data access layer is another element of concern because um, 
that's also an area that's shifting in terms of how we persist or think about persisting data and what technologies we use even on the lightning platform there's different object types for different purposes these days and um, it's important to think about data access in the abstract in a sense so the the selector pattern here or at least just a class that deals with data access can protect Mm. the business logic and of course the presentation logic above that from a shift in decisions on how you're optimizing your queries or how you're thinking about persistent persisting your logic so you're up your data so it's all about kind of creating contracts for allow mm-hmm. the fluid movement of those layers and um, minimize disruption. Yeah. I really like what you mentioned is the just like the real world, there are all those objects in our life, like the vehicles or some other, you know, uh, tangible objects. If we take in a car as an example, the car has different parts and each part has its own concerns right mm. it handles tackles a problem like we have a wheel that is like running the car and we have the chairs inside for people to sit but we don't want a, a wheel to allow people to sit in the meanwhile it, it runs the car right that's mm. kind of like a two different concerns if we somehow mix them into one thing and that one thing's responsible for both and that's a kind of problem and in our software world apex is the kind of object oriented language it somehow mimic this physical world we design the object so we want to have the same kind of clean principle that follows the kind of single responsibility mm. way yeah i mean you know i'm not a big uh not really in the car industry but i watch a lot of uh these uh dis- discovery video uh, mm. channel shows and they show the, the manufacturing line and you, you see a point where they suddenly the roll in the whole dashboard just goes into the car and then it's just plugged into those interfaces and over mm. somewhere else in the workshop somebody was building that entire dashboard because they knew what the contract was by the time it arrived and you also find that car manufacturers are increasingly uh, reusing chassis and components and that's because they've defined those contracts and um, you know it also stems to testing really even in the real life but also more so in software separation of concerns means that you can test your business logic layer your service layer as we often call it in the context of these patterns um, independently of how it might be invoked and, and that gives great strength really in terms of different clients have different ways and quality in which they might ensure the data is accurate. And you, you should never, never really trust the client. You, you should always accept in your business layer it to pass in bad data. So um, mm-hmm. just testing at that level and really hammering in all the different, um, you know, evil data paths that it could be, could be construed. It makes your, your separation concerns really strong because you never know who, who's going to consume you if you're a business service layer or even the data layer. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think treating each one its own right from a unit testing point of view really helps as well. Um, And then when it's all brought together on the production line in your, in your uh, functional tests, then uh, you, you certainly finding less fine grain problems at that stage. You're finding probably 
larger ones with your design or put larger sort of interaction issues, but each component should be doing its job at that stage. So I think from a testing mm-hmm. point of view, it allows you to have less uh, problems downstream from a testing point of view if you're each, each layer is, is self-aware uh, of its quality. Mm. I understand the suppression of concern uh, concept that you somehow ported into the Apex Apex world is that you have uh, three different layers, right? So-called a select layer, domain layer, and service layer. Yeah, and um, essentially, you know, we, we should um, this is a good segue into uh, Martin Fowler's patterns of enterprise architecture here. Um, Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is a book's been around for many years, and uh, like good designs, it stands the test of time. And, and Martin, um, he uses a lot of obviously Salesforce didn't exist back then, but he uses a lot of Java examples in there, and a lot of what we see in Apex was, was inspired by what uh, Martin's done in the Java world, frankly. And um, yeah, he he talks about the service layer and um, the domain layer in here. Um, and the selector layer and unit of work and all of those different patterns. So uh, it's a large, uh, large shout out to Martin for, for pretty much what's inspired. And it turns out that, um, you know, some of his patterns are more appropriate than, than others. Um, I would say that the um, identity map is, is something that's, um, it's more suited to where you've got sort of uh, caching mechanisms um, that are beyond the request scope. Arguably, um, the advent of platform cache on the platform might 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 allow that to be revisited. But it, um, in contrast to something like the unit of work, it's almost like the unit of work pattern that Martin described here was made for bulkification. It was it's just such a really good fit in terms mm-hmm. of helping us think about. The way that we, um, the way we need to sort of be cognizant of how we're interacting with the database, um, which is a really obviously the reason it's an, it's, it came about from Martin's point of view here is because um, it's, it's it's something that you should be considering anyway um, in terms of any data sort of access pattern. Um, mm-hmm. So here we see his original definition of it. So it's. It's actually, uh, other than the rollback method, um, it's pretty much as is described here um, as the unit of work. So, so yes, uh, um, the, there's quite a number of, of patterns um, that's borrowed wrote from Martin, but not not everything. Um, I would still recommend mm-hmm. it as a good read. Um, I think, you know, ultimately, um, it's, it's great to be aware of things that are beyond. Um, the platforms that you might be working on, you never know when inspiration might hit as to how they might become appropriate. So that's that's one of the books from from Martin Fowler, am mm. I right? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to also yeah. put that book into our show notes for our listeners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the separation of concerns. We understand that it's really kind of split the responsibility into different layers. It's easier for, for the readers, easier to test, and easier to extend the logic to uh, accommodate the future changes, which is a huge topic for, for software engineering world. And uh, that's something we already understand based on what you mentioned. And you 
also have this flip open source repository, right? Which is kind of extending the separation of concerns, in my understanding. Could you tell us what this uh, is, the FFLIP, and uh, what's the connection between it and the SLC principle? Mm. No, certainly um, the, the open source, uh, I mean, I contribute to quite a number of open source uh, libraries, um, as do many others in the community. And um, FFLib is uh, a library that uh, was born out of um, work that was conducted within Financial Force, and they, they saw fit to uh, to open source that. And it, it was first sort of shared to the community, I think, back in 2013, when we um, first went to Dreamforce and started uh, getting involved really heavily in Dreamforce. And ever since then, has has, has been quite a tradition um, financial force for those uh, the developers to get get involved heavily in Dreamforce. So um, that library still exists today. Obviously, um, I'm, I'm not an um, employee of Financial Force right now, but I'm still very um, keen to contribute to that and help that library move along. And hence, we're here today talking about it. So uh, yeah, it really took um, Martin's patterns and digitized those into what was appropriate, as I mentioned earlier, and what was not appropriate. And um, it's been really popular um, ever since in terms of folks like yourselves and your listeners wanting to understand how to split that across the different technologies within Salesforce. And, um, you know, we see that um, the, the, the applicability um, fits in terms of uh, the domain pattern that Martin talks about is, is quite applicable to um the triggers that we write in Apex code. And then we talk about the um, selector layer, which is a way of encapsulating the database uh, logic and the uh, service layer, which is your kind of, um, is, is less object orientated, which is something that becomes um, more interesting in terms of where the sort of default programming paradigm tends to stem from um, on Salesforce, which is to just put things in triggers. Um, but not all logic really belongs in triggers. Ultimately, the logic um, belongs in the domain layer or the trigger layer. Um, there's many trigger patterns, by the way. Um, this is just one of one of them. There's, there's lots of excellent patterns out there, and uh, it behooves um, your listeners to take a look at all of those. And um, essentially, trigger logic um, is something you should very think very carefully about because it affects the performance of the system when you're updating and deleting and creating records. So generally my advice is to think about domain stroke trigger logic is time is kind of protecting the uh, data the integrity of your data. It's validating fields where needed. It's maybe creating some defaults, but um try and try and think carefully about the processing. And certainly if the processing is cross object uh, you know, you, you maybe want to be thinking about whether that's a service versus sort of a something that's invoked via a CRUD operation. Um, often I sometimes see that people are um, thinking about how they drive process through updates to records. Um, and this, this could be a byproduct of the way that the UI is, is working. And of course, there are options with Lightning Web Components and and uh, you know, prior to that, Aura and Visual Force to create more custom task-orientated UIs. So, I think uh, at the end of the day, the the, the use of um, 
the the patterns it, it, it really you have to think carefully about on Salesforce in terms of mm. where, where the logic lays. So domain and service layer is a question I get quite asked quite asked quite a lot. Um, and really, my answer lies in terms of what I've just described. Is think about whether you're protecting the data and you and you and you and you, the data integrity and the, the defaulting of that. And if you're doing something cross object, it, it may be that you need to drive that from a service. And that that think about when that's invoked. Is it scheduled? Is it perhaps off an event these days, or is it off a UI? There's many which ways you can invoke your the logic these days. It's not all driven by a CRUD. So uh, yeah, that essentially um, the FFLib um, library digitized all those patterns, and um, since then the community's really rallied behind it, and um, it's it's started to uh, to grow. Um, the original footprint of it is a little bit bigger than what it was before, um, but uh, the spirit of it is to be is to be keep reasonably light. Um, so I think that's 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 a re that's reflected in some of the ideas of, of where we might have taken it um, in the past, but haven't. Um, and you can then see people like John Daniels that you mentioned earlier. Um, he did an excellent talk at Dreamforce Advanced Techniques, and he, he's basically done a really elegant uh, way of layering on top of uh, not just FFLib here, but he's layered on top of uh, Apex Mocks and things like that for uh, DX unlock packages. So. I really like that approach because it keeps the library quite light and also means that it's, it's, it shows that it's very extensible in terms of uh, what folks like John has done um, with all of these libraries and weave them together for something more advanced. Hey, it's she here, your host. I really appreciate you listening to the show. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to go to our website, check the show notes of the episode, which contains the links to the points we just discussed in the show. Those are the things we consider important, but don't have time to cover in the talk. Oh, by the way, I do also suggest that you subscribe to our newsletter, where more information is shared constantly. So after listening to this episode, do head out to our website, salesforceway.com, and find more useful information over there. Now, let's get back to the show. I have personally studied a bit the FFLIP and uh, looked into those source codes. It's, um, to me, it's a big one. It covered a lot of uh, like pain points that we usually have when we are writing a solution in, in Apex. But uh, to me, the more fascinating thing is how to think when we use the library and the design and uh, fulfill the business logic. It kind of pushes me to, to think when there's a new feature coming, where do I put that feature into this, those different layers? How do I organize them so that it's kind of decoupled way and elegant way that uh, I can kind of like build uh, for my future mm, changes? Exactly. Um, I think I would recommend, maybe you should recommend your book, which is the force.com enterprise architect. I think you have spent a lot of pages in the book to talking about what is the personal concern and how do we, you know, build the applications with a very good uh, uh, sample story inside. Am I right? 
Yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, um, what makes these libraries, any open source library, come to life is use cases so people can understand whether their time is worth investing and it's a good match. You know, if you have to read through a lot of reference information, a lot of detail and depth, it's, it, it can often be an inhibitor to adopting an open source library. So my main recommendation is always be very use case driven and tell folks up front exactly what it is. And sample apps um, are a great way of doing that. Um, in my book, I, I'm a big fan of Formula Formula One motor racing. So uh, I use that uh, to inspire me. Um, it's a domain I sort of understand, obviously. I'd love to be, mm. be deeper into Formula One motorsport um, hands-on, but that'd be um, quite divergent from where I am right now. But uh, perhaps in another world, um, that would have been an interesting uh, career opportunity. But uh, despite that, I love watching it and enjoying it. And it very much inspired how I articulated the uh, the patterns and not only that other aspects of the platform of course the book um the book is more than just a description of those patterns it's like three 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 uh, chapters of the rest of it's uh, focusing yeah. on many other things but this sample app that came with um fflib many years ago still is a good representation i was actually just looking this morning about um, enhancing it with an lwc component so i started writing the apply the apply um the applied discount example in LWC, and you can see that I'm, I'm importing the controller and invoking the applied discount there. And this is a good example of um, the, the the kind of um, future proofing that you're building in through separation of concerns. Because I really just wrote a very lightweight controller for that. I was still calling the exact same service method I was calling five years ago when the sample code was was first written or so. Um, mm. You know, so so it really helps uh, distill that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get that uh, fully completed for this uh, session, but um, you kind of get the idea in terms of uh, where that's heading and that uh, separation of concerns is is really evident here. Yeah, just for 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 our listeners who are really enjoying to design your code and uh, especially the object oriented way. So, so I highly recommend to, to, to get down this book, this force.com enterprise architect. It's also in our show notes. So by reading the book, then you start to follow what he was thinking when he was designing and implementing this uh, use case. And there was a lot of joy, at least for me. So I learned, learned a lot. Definitely highly recommend for the book. Thank you very much. It's nice of you to say that. Yeah. So how about, um, let's say, we have this SLC concept, and I love it a lot, but it's like a hammer now. So everything else I look at is a nail. So is that really a good thing to me now? When I read somebody else's code, I say, oh, maybe you have to separate your logic in another way. And in Apex world, are there some other design patterns similar to SLC that can compete with SLC? Um, I, I mean, I, I think um, when you talk about patterns, yeah, you talk about patterns at different layers. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned earlier that, for example, the trigger pattern, um, and, and to ensure that you're you're only ever having one sort of trigger to rule them all is is kind of 
something that's that's that there are many different versions of that in the Salesforce community. And so that type of pattern, and even arguably the unit of work, people will have likely written their own wrappers to help with bulkification. Um, they will have probably written their own libraries to help with maybe some controller concepts and such like. But when you think about separation of concerns, it's very much a higher order belief, really, it, it le less a digital thing. Um, the, the, mm. the FF lib really just encourages and steers you. Um, at the end of the day, there's nothing magical about a service class. If I bring that up, it's just essentially um, this one's um, using some, inje some injection here. But if you just focus on the, uh, the methods, there's nothing, there's no library functions used here. It's just the concept of having a service class and a naming convention. Um, perhaps that helps delineate them. Um, these days with DX, you, you could actually have the luxury of putting these um, in separate subfolders and the DX project would, uh, would be totally fine with that actually. Um, mm. But it's, there's nothing really special about that. It's just a kind of higher level understanding of separation of concerns. So I, I don't really see um, anything essentially competing with the principle of just good code factoring essentially. Um, you know, you think about also clean code um, concepts as well, and, and they are they're, mm. they're all basically around the same higher order principle. Um, so, yeah, I, I got your point. For these principles you mentioned, the clean code principle, SOC principle, these are very abstracted. So they are like a guiding principles. Yeah. No matter you're writing Apex code or whatever mm -hmm. code, these it, things help you in your entire software engineering life. Yeah, and, and I think also, you know, I, it's been asked to, of me before, like, why is it just back-end stuff? Does it apply to front-end stuff? And my, yeah. arguably my, my focus in my career has always been mainly on the back-end side of things. Um, but it, I would say to those, those folks that if you're getting complex code in your LWC components, you're writing web components or any of your client code, then... And, and you see this, right, even in sort of um, larger complex libraries like React and Angular, they've also got mechanisms for model view controller and mm -hmm. they have their own separation concerns even to manage the complexity at the client end, let alone the, the back end. So it, that just it, that just sort of um, further validates the point really, as you say, it's just it's something that's just a, a good principle to, to follow regardless of where you are and what part of the logic or whatever platform you're on. Mm, I got it. Um, many of our listeners are junior, still junior software engineers. We want to learn from you. So you always thinking about like big principles and how to apply them into your work. How do you think, how do you come to your current stage? Because uh, nowadays, uh, even working different technology stack, there are so many frameworks that kind of encapsulate these kind of principles. So as a junior developers, we don't even need to think, we just follow how to use those tools, which to me is not that a good thing. So mm -hmm. the joy that gave me as a, a professional programmer is really to design these things. So could you give us some recommendations? Yeah, um, I, I think I think at the end of the day, um, I think it's better to think of yourself 
as a solution engineer. And I think probably saying that out loud, there's probably some technical definition of what that is, which is different from writing code. But maybe what I'm getting at is you, you, you basically understand the, the problem domain and detach a little bit the implementation and you think about the solutions and you, you're bought into that and you take pleasure from creating a solution. And it sounds a bit abstract when I'm talking about it here, but what that allows you to do is step back from the technologies for a moment and think about what you need to achieve and how you're going to get there and then layer in the technologies. And I often feel this is really important on the Lightning platform because essentially there are different ways to build things. There's no code, low code, and pro code. There's all the different tools at your disposal. And if you swing too far to writing everything in code, you dilute not only your productivity, and but also how you're delivering the solution overall. So I've always tended to think about um, solution engineering rather than sort of programming and coding you know at the end of the day i, I think it, it, it's not to sort of uh, dismiss um the joy of just sitting down and just writing raw code and just loving that and i certainly appreciate that and do that as well but it, it's it, it's really important as it as you in this world with so many democratized technologies at your disposal that you, you allow yourself that time to baseline what it is you're trying to do and why you're needing to do it and what the requirements and parameters are. And then do that analysis and not just look at what's directly in front of you or what you've seen before. Um, and the internet is a wonderful place to get that analysis done. Everybody has a blog with an opinion on on how to how to solve a certain problem and what libraries and Stack Exchange, um, not just the Salesforce corner of it, but in general is full of pros and cons questions. Whenever I need a new problem, I'll go mm. and search for that problem. And then maybe if I've got a language in mind, I'll put that in my criteria. So um, I think I think at the end of the day, um, just just try and make sure you don't step too far into the code before you've really understood the the problem domain um, and, and check yourself as well make sure that you're not being led once you get down that route by wanting to use a certain library or a certain thing if things change then you might need to revisit the original decisions as to what why you where you went down that particular choice of technologies and I think yeah as, as I say there's so many um, different options out there these days um, as a developer, you, you kind of have to be solution orientated in your mindset. Mm. I really love what you just said. The solution engineer we we should think as mm -hmm. as the one. Okay, good. I, I think um, we have talked a lot today. So see the library and also the the book. This is already an excellent uh, point for us to close the sessions. I don't know, Andy. Do you still have anything to say to our listeners before we are? We let you go um just uh, again thank you very much for the opportunity to speak about this it's been a little while um since i've uh, had a chance to chat about it and throughout the conversation it's brought back memories of, of doing that at dreamforce and you know thank everybody for their uh, support and enthusiasm around it and it you know it's i'm really proud to see um that others have taken up the mantle and moved it forward you know john and um and uh, and folks out there in the community are really contributing to that, and that that's even more 
reflected in some of the recent posts that I did here. Here's some happy, smiley faces of of recent contributors, and this really makes me proud. And and it's the spirit of open source. So you know, at the end of the day, um, it, it, things move on because the, the, of the people that are behind them. And I think it's it's got to a point where it's it's much bigger than than uh, than where it was in the beginning. And uh, that's something to be for everyone to be really proud of. So uh, so thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, Andy. So talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Hi, I'd like to thank you very much as you have reached the end of the show. If you find our content useful, please let me know and connect with me. If you are using Twitter, don't forget to let me know the number one point you have learned in this episode. All the information about the show, about me, the RSS, the iTunes, my Twitter, the newsletter, and the other episodes can be all found at our website salesforceway.com. So thank you again, and see you next time.